Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Greetings, comrades. This is a special about something special. You know, the great Dan Carlin, the person who basically introduced me to podcasts as a format and uh, whom I believe to be one of the greatest inspirations of my life, <laughs> once wondered in his Hardcore History show about uh, the fact that whether or not the people who lived through in, um, so to speak, interesting points of history knew that they lived in such periods. I think I can answer that now pretty clearly. I, uh, I think they got a hunch. Because in my humble opinion, we now live in such an era. Again, in my opinion, you'll be able to tell your kids that you were alive when the last elections in the Russian Federation happened. And this show is here to explain why I and uh, quite a few other people who follow the action uh, actually think so. First off, everyone knew that Putin was going to win. That much was obvious. And he did it, with over 75% of the vote, with second place going to Pavel Grudinin from the Communist Party, with about 13%, and the third being Zhirinovsky, representing the Liberal Democratic Party of Russia, which is always funny, because it's Zhirinovsky, with about 6%. According to the Central Statistics Bureau of Russia, approximately 60% of Russian citizens voted. According to Navalny's separate monitoring data, it was closer to 55 Putin wanted more than 70%. Well, he did get this, uh, but only in prisons, army camps, and uh, in the closed Moscow mental illness asylum, though. These elections were also the most monitored ones ever. Navalny, after being denied access to running, had basically shifted over his whole campaign structure and organized a massive monitoring drive with over 33,000 monitors. Same was done by Echo Moskvi and other more or less opposition-leaning media outlets, and also by the other parties, uh, mostly uh, the Communist Party, wh whose candidate got the second place. Uh, they, the organizers of the election, had also installed surveillance cameras on numerous voting locations, 
with the ballot boxes clearly visible there, and uh, you know that that was one of the first things when in the morning which uh, made me made me feel a bit strange because uh, there were cases where these cameras just really were pointed in a way where the ballot boxes were not to be seen. You know, um, yeah, j just a word here. We use paper ballots uh, here in Eastern Europe and in Russia and basically everywhere. I think that the United States is one of the few places with electronic machines. Anyhow, like everyone had previously predicted, this was all about how many people actually went and voted there. And as it turns out, in the end, none of this mattered. Completely. This whole thing was a total and complete farce. Ella Pamphilova, leader of the General Election Committee, the same one who had denied Navalny's candidacy, today stated that, quote, These were the most important Russian elections ever, and the greatest ones of all time. Pavel Grudinin the second-place candidate from the Communist Party, in his press conference, agreed. He also stated that this was the dirtiest election since Soviet era. And, and I quote here, <clears throat> It's a shame, but Navalny was right in the end. It was possible to vote more than once. End quote. This was beyond miserable, to levels previously unseen. You see, first off, about 15% of everyone monitoring the election were just arrested, sent away, or otherwise prevented from doing their job. Secondly, there were prizes for going to the elections, to increase the percentage. In some districts, people were given food coupons for voting, together with jewelry coupons. Not even kidding, I posted the picture up on my Facebook page in the morning. Literally everyone who went to vote got a stamp giving, like, 20% uh, off from food purchases in the certain store. And, uh, yeah, the what, one of the districts actually had a coupons, in addition to this, giving 40% uh, off of jewelry purchases, and not some other store. Over here in Riga, according to what the people who were walking out of the Russian diplomatic offices after the vote said, was uh, that they were apparently given canned uh, sprats, you know, sprats and oil are one of the one of the things that we export. In other places, voters were <clears throat> motivated by them participating in a lottery, where they could win iPhones, tablets, or other cool stuff. Uh, one, of, one of the districts even gave segues. Outside Moscow, they just gave free lunch to people who came, and handed out canned meat and packs of, packs of pasta. The town of Khalimansisk ran a bread festival, basically just giving out free bread to people if they came and vote. Makes you think how people live if they're ready to sell their vote for some bread. Literally. Just some some bread, not even not even in a constant way going forward. And when talking about metaphors in another town of Ivanovsk, in the election bureau, you know, so that people could have some place where to bring their kids while they're going to this glorious vote, they showed the animated cartoon based on a Russian fairy tale, <clears throat> Kasche the Immortal, which is quite close to, you know, the whole meaning of the whole thing. In some places, they also ran some mini-referendums on a local level, specifically put in the same day so more people would come. We also had reports that in quite a few places people were obliged to go and vote, then photo their vote from the booth, and get a special stamp from the election organizers, which then they will, they will take to their workplaces, because otherwise they were threatened to get fired. At least on one occasion, people were forbidden to leave the hospital after treatment before casting their vote. 
We also saw young mothers in pregnant wards being threatened that, quote, <clears throat> your treatment might get worse if they didn't vote. Students were threatened to be thrown out of universities if they didn't go and vote. Pupils in schools uh, were bribed with uh, getting extra grades if they could just gather their parents and bring them to the voting booth. And people from state-owned businesses and the army and their National Guard and other government-run institutions, yeah, these guys <laughs> were just sent to the election places en masse on buses and ordered to vote. And we all know for which candidate, and we all know that they had to prove their vote afterwards, because otherwise there will be repercussions. Other buses were driven to the election places, full with retired people, you know, because pensions in Russia are really low, who could literally receive bags of rice for voting, or sometimes 500 rubles in cash for their vote. Quite openly, actually. Uh, that's about 7 euros or 8.5 dollars. The folks in buses were then sent from one voting place, um, place, then packed up in the same buses and taken to another place to vote again. For the most part, people organized this way usually voted two to three times, but there were reports of some of these things uh, going around in different districts and voting up to four times. Well, the scary part is that this was published all over the internet, documented, filmed, reported, photographed, and totally seen by literally everyone, all the independent and party monitors and other observers. And at the same time, Miss Ella Pamphilova from the Central Election Committee officially stated that, quote, no major incidents have happened so far. Furthermore, there are numerous videos and photos from the monitors and also from the official surveillance camps. The official surveillance camps, which were like broadcasted on the web, because they had all these webcams on the site where you could go and just look if everything's going fairly. And <laughs> set up by the election committee themselves, they set up these cams and, and you can clearly see <laughs> that some people were just given extra ballots so that they could cost more votes. And now, there's about an hour-long video circulating the Russian YouTube now, full with scenes from these cameras, it's about an hour long, where people running the elections just stuff ballot boxes with votes for Putin. These guys had printed so many extra votes that a lot of them, with the official stamps and everything, were even thrown out because, you know, otherwise there would be more votes than people living in a certain district. And people just found them in the trash cans with official stamps and signatures and everything, and this all, too, was filmed and documented. And nobody cared. They did this all in the open. They didn't even try to hide. They didn't even try to turn this into something even resembling honest elections. And the monitors who complained on the spot were just <clears throat> nicely asked to leave. Or, you know, worse. Again, Ella Pamphilova from the election committee stated that, quote, no major incidents have happened. See, everyone knew that this whole thing was going to be rigged, but that, that it would happen on such a level that this would be so blatant and ridiculous that they wouldn't even hide anything at all. Now, that was truly amazing, because I thought this whole process would be interesting, where you could, like, maybe catch them doing something, and then they would have to explain themselves. No one explained anything, they just did it, and nobody cared. Well, for, for more fun stuff that happened today, uh, yeah, everybody also waited for what the <clears throat> ever-fresh and completely crazy candidate Jirinovsky of the, you know, Let's Nuke America and Rebuild, Rebuild USSR in its former glory fame uh, from a <clears throat> Liberal Democratic Party of Russia would say he won casting his vote today. You see, he has been on the <clears throat> officially sanctioned opposition. He's basically the court gesture of Putin, so to speak. 
He's the litmus test of Putin's ideas, like saying them loudly and openly to test out what would the public reaction be, and, uh, you know, so just Putin looks tame by comparison. And he did not disappoint. This, again, was all on camera and fully documented. First off, <laughs> when entering uh, the whole the whole voting booth, he rudely pushed away a Japanese monitor and yelled at her to basically quote, <clears throat> "Shut up! You'll never get the Kuril Islands, and we will just might take Hokkaido away from you if you'll get loud." And this is on video. Uh, then he took his ballot, voted for himself very openly, and gave a short speech, moving on to the global level instantly when talking to journalists. He basically declared that not only the Russian president is being elected today, but the president of the whole world, true owner and master of both Russia and literally everyone else. Then he commented on the global situation and promised to punch back hard against all opponents. And uh, the best line of the speech here, quote, Today is a happy day. I am sure that tomorrow millions of Russian citizens with happy thoughts and satisfied faces with smiles on them will go to the work, school, and, you know, everyday business with the feeling of pride that Moscow is the capital of the world and nobody will dare to threaten us, end quote. That's a bit scary, so to speak. What also happened was that during the day, Ksenia Sabchak actually visited Navalny's bureau, because Ksenia Sabchak was one of the more kind of liberal candidates, and people were always discussing about whether or not she's a Kremlin shell. But yeah, she actually visited Navalny's bureau for some reason. And they held an impromptu debate, accusing each other of being paid Kremlin shills, not being productive, and essentially ru ruining the opposition cause and being traitors. It was loud, silly, and full with swearing. Because at this time, what the opposition really, really needed in Russia was starting major, very harsh and brutal arguments among each other. That definitely helps their cause. Another loud and pathos-filled speech, that it was clear that Putin had won, was given by the Speaker of the House in Gosduma, and at the same time co-chairman of the <clears throat> All-Russian People's Front. Uh, that's the organization that ran Putin's campaign, um... They, these guys basically uh, were responsible for everything Putin because, you know, he didn't run from his party. Anyhow, this person, Olga Timofeyevna, quote, The country has chosen their president, Vladimir Putin, a strong leader that is trusted by the people. Together, we shall continue our huge work to ensure a decent quality of life. All Russians People's Front is a movement created by Vladimir Putin. In these elections, we were the initiative group, supported his candidacy. A lot of our activists, common people, doctors, teachers, and workers participated in the regional offices of Vladimir Putin and were his persons of trust. Today, we worked as monitors in many election offices. At, and at the same time, we never stopped the serious public work that has always been done by the APF. We control the May orders which the president gave in 2012, and also how other orders he's given are being fulfilled. We took under the public control the work of hospitals and clinics in the regions. We were tasked by the president to do this in his speech. We have tens of our own projects, fixing the roads, improving the infrastructure, and preserving ecology. We were sure in the victory of our candidate, and it has been proven again. People trust Vladimir Putin and support his vision and program for the future. Yeah, you know, um, so she's, she's the one running all these things. And yeah, it's quite obvious that she knew Putin was going to win. Everyone knew that Putin is going to win. But hey, at least we can point our fingers to at least one of the people involved here with this whole massive debauchery and fraud. But yeah, all the other facts that she said, I don't know. It's kind of crazy. 
it almost seems like she herself believes what she's saying, which which is even scarier than, than Mr. Zhirinovsky. Putin himself did exactly what he did in 2012, and uh, after after his victory, he went to have a speech with a massive crowd who were neatly gathered there in front of the cameras in a manege square. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. He even dressed almost the same way, by the way, Uh, because, you know, there was this huge concert there, the election day day demonstration slash concert. Where, where all the popular groups of, of Russian Russian pop music entered and everything. And there was a crowd, they were kind of cold and, and uh, drinking, and some of them were paid, some of them were threatened to come there, but yeah, you know, the usual, how you gather people in such places. Putin went on stage at about midnight Moscow time, and said, quote, Thank you, dear friends, thank you that you've gathered here in this cold Moscow evening in the center of our capital. Which is, again, almost the same thing he said last time in 2012. Huge thank you for the results. You are our common team. I am a member of that team. And everyone who voted today is our large, all-Russian team. And then, in the best traditions of all times, he asked the proud, Does success awaits us? Yes, screamed the crowd with large, large, long applause, and, and again, in the best of the traditions. Then he continued... It's very important to safeguard this unity, my dear people. This unity is necessary for us to move forward. But to move forward, we need to feel the elbow of each other, of each citizen of the state. Let's take on a huge, massive work in the name of Russia. Then, massive round of applause, bunch of cheering, and Putin leaves the scene. The band Lube entered the stage, but at that point didn't look like anyone wanted to stay in the concert longer than necessary, and after the speech, the majority of people just left the square to go home. At the same time, Arkady Ostrovsky, the editor-in-chief of the Moscow Bro of The Economist magazine, uh, when, when um, hanging around at Navalny's bureau, stated that the real result of the elections is that everyone understood now that these weren't real elections, that nothing was legitimate, and that it's all a total mess. He also stated that we are closer than ever to the Third World War. So what does this whole insanity mean? What can we expect here? Let's go back on how Putin first came to power, which happened in 1999. Then he created a mass hysteria and need for stability when the FSB fabricated explosions and fake acts of terrorism and literally blew up people's buildings, and then Putin promised that he would bring the security of, like, back with the stability of the KGB and the whole apparatus, and that's how he got in power. All this propaganda machine works that way. That is how Putin, Putin works in his um, everyday life, too, I suppose. That's called dark power by some. 
by some commentators. It's kind of this idea that if no one no one is your friend, so you might you might turn um, everyone against each other and you might use kind of this negative propaganda. Russian television is constantly all about pride and aggression. How everyone's an enemy, how Russia is surrounded by enemies, how West is attacking them, and how they basically live in seclusion, and how the Russia has now gotten up from its knees, and how everyone's so proud, and how, you know, they took Crimea, and how uh, everything's so amazing now, since Putin is the greatest leader, he's the Superman. And then Skripal's poisoning happens, and if you want to know why did it happen, it happened just because of this. Because one of the major things in Putin's uh, election idea was the fact that, hey, look at this, the West are again accusing of us of, uh, of weird things that we didn't do, and, uh, and, and we must stand against them, against their ridiculous accusations. He, he basically enjoys all the sanctions and stuff. That, that gets him support. That makes people trust. And a lot of people do trust, apparently, because it looks like propaganda works. And uh, as Mr. Ostrovsky also stated, that uh, it's basically medieval era. You're voting for your master. Voting, as if it mattered. Uh, these people are, are basically living in a uh, post-feudal society, which is a mafia state, as we can now clearly see. I mean, you can you can just look at the, the whole videos from the elections and understood that nobody cares about the opinion of, of people. It's it's beyond silly. <laughs> and uh, Putin just uses this whole idea to gather people around him, and their television just tells them every day that every everyone in the West wants to murder everyone. They buy into this, and uh, then... Then they just go out and vote for Putin, because they believe that uh, if Putin leaves power, that instantly, instantly NATO soldiers will just stomp down on Russia and everything will fall apart. At the same time, I've mentioned in my previous episodes about how uh, Putin's cronies basically impoverish their people, and how, they're basi- how they basically destroy private enterprises and, and destroy factories, and how people are left out of work. And if you think about it, the the very fact that people can be sent to vote for literally eight point five dollars, or or a can of of um, or, or or like canned meat, well, people in Riga whom I spoke with they found this funny, but you know, you you wouldn't say no to free stuff, you know. But it's it's kind of crazy that people will just just go and vote and, and spend their day running around just to get a pack of macaroni, like a kilo of that, and, and some canned meat, and some bread. That means, that doesn't mean that Russia is in a good economical state. <laughs> but Putin just, you know, doesn't let any crisis go un- unnoticed and just uses this whole situation in his favor. If your people are so poor that they've lost all dignity and uh, they will basically do anything just, you know, to get a bit more of something for free, because you live in poverty, <laughs> then, then you know, they'll, they'll be easily manipulated. Because people who live uh, normal lives, they wouldn't do this. They wouldn't trade out their, their freedom for, for some bread. That is the really scary part, because previously, you know, on on various, various reports on on Putin's term, on these 18 years he's been in office, well, actually, you know, it's a bit crazy, but uh, in various reports of all the situation, a lot of economists, a lot of serious people actually state that 
Russia as such, Russia's economy is close to collapsing. It will not last as long because now they're involved in this massive arms race, which again he used in his March speech, which was my lot, which about which was my last episode. But this arms race with a terrible, staggering economy where people literally are so poor that they'll go and do anything for some food. Yeah, that's kind of silly. And uh, this again is played by Abra propaganda. Putin likes that the people of Russia are are not living not living well. They he likes the idea that you know they're they are uh, impoverished because then you know they are they're poor. But uh, Russia's, propag- Russia's propaganda machine blames the West for it, and Putin is presented as the guy who fights back against the West because literally uh, there's there's like running gag around in most political jokes is the fact that. America and the West gets blamed so much that that you know Trump personally goes and and uh, like smashes out the light bulbs in, in your like apartment block building, or or smashes out the windows, or whatever. It's all like blamed against <laughs> against everyone else. So that's kind of crazy because at one point today I understood that these people really do believe that we in the West are utterly responsible for 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 their for them living bad. And the real culprit just says, hey, 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 I'm not doing anything, it's all them. For 18 years, it's it's been totally them. And, and uh, you know, I've, <clears throat> I've been helping you and I've, I've, I've made Russia great and I will continue to do so, just, just carry on with this whole situation. I don't even know what to say here, because economically, economically, again, Russia's economy is close to collapsing and there are a bunch of predictions that Ruble will just plummet after the election. That was that was like Stepan Demura, one of the more respected uh, economists, stated that um, rubles' value shall just instantly collapse after this because they've been artif- artificially strengthening it with their gold gold reserves, and you know they basically al- annihilated their whole like oil fund. But yeah, <laughs> Russia's economy is collapsing. They're into an arms race, and they are now literally talking about all sorts of ultra collectivist near-fascist level stuff, openly. And their elections are just blatantly rigged. Like, not even attempting to hide it rigged. So, in my eyes, and, uh, like, in the eyes of many other people, there are two things that's, that's prob- that, that are probable to happen with Russia. Either there's, uh, either their economy collapses and there's a revolution, or something, and it basically disintegrates the same way the Soviet Union did, with uh, with the Putin and his oligarchs and all the other guys just, you know, escaping to the West with all their stolen money and not, not giving a crap about uh, Russian people. Or we move into future North, North Korea-like state with complete totalitarianism, cutting off from the global internet, which is another thing Putin has been speaking about, and they become essentially North Korea with utterly impoverished population, and with a state propaganda machine that's insanely crazy, and with them, you know, using the same tactics as Mr. Kim Jong-un, threatening the world for humanitarian aid with uh, with nukes, and using uh, the might of the army to, like, pop up the regime and to stay in power. Those are two options. Because either way, <laughs> I doubt that we will see another election, another presidential election in six years. Because Putin doesn't seem like he's about to leave. He it, it he will not leave. He will just stay there as long as he can. Cuz uh, literally uh by now 
by now I think he's just afraid that, you know, if he somehow goes away peacefully from power, then, then he'll just get killed. Which is a quite a high likelihood, actually. So, uh, well, um, for us, this means that if the first scenario starts happening, and if people who were just, you know, like, laughed at in their face, who were, like, it wasn't even polite pretending that this whole thing wasn't rigged, it was just so open that it was just just an open insult to people's faces, and I don't even think that the that the people in the election offices who stopped the ballot boxes, that they that even they believe that they could do otherwise. Because obviously they had all been threatened that we have audio conversations with them stating, oh my, oh my, I do not have enough votes here for Putin, what will I do? I'm gonna get into real trouble. So, if the first part starts happening, then, uh, you know, 2014 was Crimea, 2008 was Georgia, he might do something stupid. That something stupid part is the part that worries me the most, actually. Because <laughs> if the first scenario of this whole Russian collapse starts happening, then he will just try to push on the second scenario. You know, the more the more <laughs> the more Russian economy goes goes to hell and back, and the more like some revolutionary ideas start spreading and people basically start living in in worse and worse uh, and stuff like that then you know the more russia will become self-secluded they might cut off uh, the access from the world internet by themselves they do not care about the swift code or whatever they will just keep everyone in the dark and we're gonna have north korea which is we're going to have the largest North Korean planet Earth, too. That's also possible. But then again, this is kind of the bifurcation point. Because uh, to, even, to even run a country like that, you still do need some economy. You, you can't imprison everyone in a country as large as Russia. I think so, at least. Well, even the Soviets couldn't really imprison everyone, and Russia is a much, much weaker state than the Soviet Union. With a failing economy and aging state, by the way. So... Yeah, it's either one or the other. There will be no liberalization of Russia. There will be no democratic changes there. Uh, nothing will happen towards kind of this turn on the good side without a revolution now. There is simply nothing that can happen there. And like I said at the beginning of this episode, this is this is the moment when it's kind of clear for me. Because either Russia will collapse and disintegrate, <laughs> or 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 have and have a, like a revolution or something, or it's gonna turn into North Korea. It's one or the other. Either way, elections <laughs> elections are done. I think they're done now because I wouldn't even call what happened today elections. It's event formerly known as elections. Because you know we used to call them Putin's elections, but yeah, right now it's event formerly known as elections because it even you know it, it doesn't even remotely resemble one, and it's so blatant and terrible. It's weird. <laughs> That uh, when you understand that you're living in an uh, in an era of historical significance, that it's quite much not fun at all. Oh well, I will certainly continue my work and try to keep you updated about everything that's going to happen. But um, just don't be gloomy. <laughs> try to look at the bright side of life, as in life bright. I hope that things get better. I really do. Thank you for listening to The Eastern Border. If you have any comments or specific details you'd like to know, you're welcome to leave it in the comment section on our site, theeasternborder.lv.
and will rummage even to the western border to find you an answer. Like this podcast? Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or on our RSS feed. Happiness is mandatory. Good reviews and donations feed the farmers of our kolkhoz in the great motherland. The eastern border salutes you. This podcast is part of the Dark Myths Collective. Visit darkmyths.org for more shows like this one. The darkness awaits. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.